because I've been pretty vocal about this for a while now of the Cowboys need more. The Cowboys need help. The Cowboys are walking a fine line, even as they sit 6-2. and two. I mean, it, it surprises everybody that they're 6-2. and two. This is not the same 6-2. and two. They have the same record now as they did through the first eight weeks last year, even knowing full well that this doesn't feel like the same 6-2 and two Cowboys. They're, the margin for error is so, so small. And by bringing in extra help from the outside, all you can really ask is that you're trying to widen that a little bit. You're trying to increase that margin for error. I don't hate that the Cowboys didn't do anything today. I really don't. Looking at some of the other moves today, by the way, there were 10 trades today, which is a trade deadline day record for the NFL. I was wondering, because it seemed like there was a lot more than normal. And it happened you know, pretty quickly, one after another after another, and we'll go through some of those here a little bit later on in the show. It was kind of in line with some of the moves the Cowboys have already made earlier in the year, bringing in... Uh, you know, bringing in Jonathan Hankins last week, the defensive tackle, bringing in Jason Peters, the the offensive uh, offensive lineman at the beginning of the season. I mean, just based on on production, based on where these guys are at, where these teams are at, there wasn't it, it was it was quantity over quality today, big time. And so there wasn't really a, a move out there where I look at and say. God dang it, the Cowboys should have done that. Like we did last week with Robert Quinn. The Eagles trade for Robert Quinn. The Eagles keep getting all these top players around the league. And I'm and, and at that time, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, Cowboys need to jump on that because that's your division rival that's going out and getting all the best players. But there really wasn't that much as far as splashy going on today. Ed Werder, ESPN NFL reporter. Spends a lot of time around the Cowboys facility, tweeting out uh, earlier in the afternoon. Cowboys and Texans discussed a potential trade for Brandon Cooks, the wide receiver out of Houston. Took it right up to the deadline, which was at, I believe it was 2 o'clock our time. I believe it was 2 o'clock Mountain. Took it right up to the deadline and just couldn't get a deal done because Brandon Cooks is really expensive. $18 million guaranteed next year. And... The Cowboys have I mean the Cowboys have money to spend, but if there's anything that we've seen about the Cowboys, certainly this year, is they're not spending eighteen million dollars on anybody. I mean they they wouldn't do that. I, I don't know that they would do that Zeke contract if it was sitting in front of them right now. If if Zeke was whatever age he was when the Cowboys gave him that con not even because of hindsight, just because of how they've kind of changed their business and operating philosophies, they're not spending eighteen million dollars, eighteen million guaranteed on anybody. As much as you know, as much as we would like to see them maybe get one more big piece to kind of help out C.D. Lamb, because Michael Gallup still not really the same Michael Gallup yet. And then you're really, really thin at wide receiver. Had they made this move, you're not killing it. But I'm not the least bit surprised that nothing happened today because guys around that level were kind of the ones that got moved today. Well, you know, Sam, you talk about being surprised that they're 6-2 and two and the same record of, as last year. Yeah, it's a surprise only because Dak wasn't the quarterback during most of those games. Now he's back. So now... To me, there's more of an expectation for them to be more of what they were expected to be good as opposed to being the surprise 6-2 and two Cowboys. And I think if 
they don't win the next few games, and hey, the next two are going to be tough. The Packers, next two are on the road. But if they go on a roll, then all of a sudden you can say, you know what, maybe these were the same Cowboys, except for uh, you know the difference in the wide receiver situation, but maybe, uh, maybe this is a good team. But if they go into a slump, then yeah, you can say, man, they should have done something at the trade deadline. But right now... They're six and two, and they got their quarterback back. The biggest surprise is the six and two. But now that they're at the six and two, if they move forward and win games, that's not going to be a surprise to me. This is where I look at what this season is for for the Cowboys, and I think what this says today about the trade deadline. I mean, they're they're generally this team generally doesn't you know make that big move. At the trade deadline. I mean, no, they Am- usually do it in the offseason. Yeah, I, I, I think he felt uh, that he did enough during the offseason. Amari was more of an outlier than than anything else. Which is still a big loss, in my opinion. That, that to me, is the wild card in the season, not having Amari Cooper to throw to. Because, hey, that was the comfort level. That was the guy that Dak always knew was open and he could always give him the ball. And they're never going to live that one. Uh, Cowboy fans are never going to let him live that one down, especially when you look at... Unfortunately, nor should they. I mean, the the Steelers getting a second-round pick for Chase Claypool. The Broncos getting a first-round pick for Bradley Chubb. And it was a fifth-round pick for Amari Cooper and nothing else to say bye-bye. Go eat this money. Like Again, you're talking about Brandon Cooks and $18 million. Cowboys just wanted Amari off the books. As much as we, right. as much as they liked Amari, as much as there was the up and downs, it ended up coming down to that as much as anything else. But I think what this kind of reaffirms about what this season has been for Dallas is they don't necessarily want, you know, an Odell Beckham type. They don't want whoever that is that might even have the outside potential of disrupting the the vibes that they have going on there. What Mike McCarthy is, is kind of set, keeping everybody level-headed through all the injuries and through the weeks of Cooper Rush. I mean, it, it has been a noteworthy coaching job for Mike McCarthy. And also, I mean, now for the second time in the first eight weeks of the season, having to deal with your boss saying, after Tony Pollard is a three-touchdown day, the first thing your boss says is, well, our offense still goes through Zeke. I mean, you have to manage the injuries. You have to manage the brand. You have to manage your boss who says it's up to us to decide or decipher between owner Jerry and GM Jerry. I mean, for all the, for all the stuff that Mike McCarthy has to do every day, they don't want... They don't want to disrupt that. No, you don't want to disrupt that. And, and I'm I not stay. even saying that's the right answer, but that's just what this whole year has has felt like, you know, from the offseason, the preseason to right now. I mean, yeah, you fill positions of need because Tyron Smith goes down, you have to do something. And Jason Peters, you know, he played a little bit against Chicago, but he hasn't been even necessarily the the the, the the uh, the productive offensive lineman that we thought just because they haven't really needed him as much, but you're not going to bring in that big splash guy because the Cowboys don't think it's worth the risk of messing with this status quo that they feel good about. Right, and uh, you know, the, reflecting on missing Amari Cooper, 131 yards, a touchdown on Monday. <laughs> yeah, uh, last night uh, in the win over Cincinnati. Wh- <laughs> Which Jaco- excuse me, not like he's not doing anything. No, with Jacoby Brissett, I mean he he would be the the leading receiver for for Dallas. Uh, you know, he'd be the leading receiver for for Dallas at this point, and and doing it with with Jacoby Brissett. But we knew that 
We knew that this is how good Amari is. And again, the Cowboys played that risk-reward balance game of you know not feeling like he was somebody that they wanted to pay one and and to keep around but it's not the least bit surprising that he's doing this in Cleveland regardless of who the quarterback is and so yeah yeah so you got you know you got that whole situation there with uh with with you know you got whole that that whole situation with Amari in the 5th round pick situation i mean it's it's still just it's it's still just just it still just you know makes your head spin at times but let's hear a little bit from Jerry Jones today doing his thing on on 1053 the fan in Dallas and setting up the the you know the trade deadline day plan in a way that only this man can what it is is I'm standing by the track and when the train comes by I've got ready to hit that caboose and not let it get by me if you're not you will miss the whole show and so uh, I can, I can grab the caboose on this train today in the next few hours Let that sit in. Get that caboose. Well, I guess the train got held up somewhere, or maybe uh, maybe he called the conductor and told the train not to come to not to come to Arlington today. Get that caboose. Um. Yeah. Back to Amari Cooper. I mean, uh, it, it, the Cowboys feel that they have what they need with Gallup and C.D. Lamb and. You know, on paper, that should be enough in the emergence of Dalton Schultz. But uh, how Tony Pollard goes, the Cowboys go. Because it's Zeke's team. It's Team Talk, ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. He's Scott Galetti. I'm Sam Hauser. The people that are a lot better at reading between the lines than, than I am on this one, Scott, seem to be of the belief that when you hear stuff like that from Jerry... He's thinking otherwise. It's usually the opposite. Yeah. So when he no, says, that, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. So when he says the train is coming down the tracks, you can almost brace yourself for for a quiet for <laughs> it's coming off the track for a quiet day. Well, not even that. It's coming <laughs> off the tracks. That the train's just not even coming. You're just going to stand there on the platform, keep looking down the looking down the tracks, and the train's just not there. What it is is I'm standing by the track, and when the train comes by. I've got ready to hit that caboose and not let it get by me. If you're not, you will miss the whole show. And so uh, I, can, I can grab the caboose on this train today in the next few hours. Chugga, wow. chugga. Choo-choo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just when you think you've heard it all from Jerry Jones, he just goes off the tracks. Well, and that leads me to the next uh, soundbite that I wanted to play because, you know, on trade deadline day, we're really <laughs> asking the hard-hitting questions this morning leading into the conversation with Mr. Jerry Jones, including his texting habits and if he uses any emojis while he's sending out oh, texts on no. trade deadline day. Actually, so yeah, ha- so since you had that reaction, how do you think this is going to go? He's going to come out of nowhere and say that he has an emoji of some sort. Well, I am a, uh, a very limited texter. I can text. It is as limited as anybody you've ever talked to or met. Uh, but uh, I, uh, uh, I, can, I use it, but I'm speaking to it more than I do the actual testing. So he's like you. He's like you. He does the... the he does the voice to text, ugh. and usually it misspells. Yeah. That changes my. I. I mean, it, it's already the. Uh, it's already that generation's way of of trying to text. 
and I know you. I, I know you try your hardest. Didn't we learn a couple of years ago? He has a flip phone anyway. I think we did. Because otherwise, actually. you got to hit the one key three times to get to C, and then you know whatever number it is. Like I don't even remember how how that's set up. Where you know each number on the phone one through nine has the letters on it that you have to use, and you have to push it every time to text on a flip phone. It's the hardest and most arduous, obnoxious thing in the world to try to text. So I can understand why why he does it. I mean, I guess I understand why why you do it too. Well, but. I do it when I'm driving usually. And every time I do it, it misspells. So, I mean, I type, but I don't type while I'm driving. With my luck, I get pulled over. Let's hear a little bit from, from Mike McCarthy as well, because, I mean, this is not just, uh, you know, this, this is not just, you know, being talked about for the sake of being talked about. I mean, this is coming up in the locker room when the media in Dallas has opportunities to, to talk to these guys about being, about having the same record through the first eight weeks this year than the Cowboys did last year and just how how Mike McCarthy's trying to, to use that maybe to, to his advantage, especially given the way the season ended last year and that horrific loss to San Francisco in the wild card round. you got to find ways to win every week. Um, but our job as coaches is to make sure we continue to grow the football team. So, And, and that's where self-evaluation is, is, is critical to that. And that's why we spend the time that we do on Mondays, so you know, I think our grading system, excuse me, interaction with the players, um, you know, obviously the bye week started today, but most of them still came upstairs to you know to see their coaches. They've already watched the game. I think that tells you a lot about our, our football team. They they all go home immediately and watch the game. So all, all those things are, is part of the culture that we've created here, and and um, but we still need to keep reinforcing the things that we do because. You know, because when you get back from your bye week, you know, now you get into practices, get a little shorter because now you start really being smart um, as far as how much you do physically. So you got to continue to find the ways to continue to, you know, educate, reinforce, and, and get more mental reps, you know, in the mental part of it. You know, just continue with the emotional conditioning and the exercises you do there. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's a part of growing, you know, in, into November. November is a is a huge month. I mean, this is this is where teams really, things really start to shape up. You know, we're going into the third quarter of the season. So, I mean, that's that's the way we operate. And he's talking about Scott. He's talking about finding new finding ways to win every week. I want to make sure I got the wording on that right. You got to find ways to win every week. Yeah, he's talking about finding ways to win every week. <laughs> I mean, if there's, you can't take that away from him. I mean, that's what's been so interesting about the season is every week the Cowboys find different ways to win. If it's, you know, a Brett Maher field goal the last time you'd expect it from, you know, from from 50-something yards out or on the day when Tony Pollard has to take over the offense without having the safety blanket of Zeke, he has the three-touchdown day, and it's a three-touchdown day on the same day when that's pretty close to peak Dak as far as production as far as the accuracy on the throws he's making mm-hmm. the, especially you know the the, the four yard touchdown run on the first drive of the game so to your point if that's kind of what they're holding on to is finding new ways to win you're not going to mess with the mojo no, the thing about the game the other day, and yeah, it's against the Bears' defense, which uh, you know is hit or miss sometimes. But you know, Dak only six incompletions. He had an interception, of course, but you know the running game accented 
the passing game. So it was a dual threat offense, and I think when they're playing like this, they can play like this all the time, Zeke or not. Uh, you got to wonder where Zeke fits in because of Jerry's comment. Hey, he's he's our guy. Is he really? I don't know. Well, I got two words to say to that, Scott Galetti. Zeke who? Yeah, exactly. How far the how far we've come from Zeke who a couple of years ago to the day after a three touchdown game. Tony Pollard did something on Sunday that Zeke Elliott's never done in his mm-hmm. NFL career. Oh, I know. And that was a game with three rushing touchdowns. I mean, Zeke had the two one yard touchdown runs against the Lions the week before, but Pollard has this three touchdown game. And how this gets, I mean, I guess if anything, we've all kind of learned a little bit from how this went with the four weeks of Cooper Rush of how to, you know, what you actually have to take away from what's being said and what is just words for the sake of words because, you know, that's how things go down there in the Metroplex. But this is the last thing that anybody needs to be doing is taking anything significant away from one versus the other. Like, I get, I actually do get what he's trying to say, Jerry, and I actually agree with what he's trying to say, where this doesn't necessarily change anything, but it was the it was the word choice, was really, was, you know, what the issue was, was to, to say, you know, our offense still goes through Zeke, you know, towing the company line from before we saw the Cowboys play a snap of football in the regular season. Let these guys be... A tandem. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, I don't want to hurt anybody. You know, I don't want to hurt Zeke's feelings. I don't want to make I don't want it to be like we're taking the ball away from him. He still has to get his 15 carries a week. I mean, you have a good thing going with making it as even as possible. And and of course Tony Pollard proved that he can handle more workload. And that's without still continuing to, for whatever reason, not throw him the ball. So why is it, Sam, that in the NFL College, you'll have the thunder and lightning tandem. Why don't you have a tandem? This is why a- don't you put them both back there? Yeah, I know it's the NFL, and traditionally, if you have two backs, one's a fullback, one's a running back. Oh no, no, why no. not have both of them back there? Oh no, see, uh, no, I wasn't even going to do that. This is the NFL. This is this seems to be one of the new one of the new trendy kind of things to do the cowboys are doing it obviously cleveland's doing it you have different teams. i mean you know i mean they're obviously not the most successful team around and they just traded one of those guys to the jets but the jaguars were doing it for a little while you have teams if you're running back you know kind of like kind of like how we do them you know kind of like how we have have these conversations of you know if your quarterback isn't patrick mahomes or josh allen like bah, whatever they're all interchangeable if your running back's not Derrick Henry, then you're better suited having having two guys. Right. And that's and and that's what we've been <clears throat> shouting at the Cowboys for the last three years, and it seems like they're finally figuring it out. And it's so it's kind of become now we're saying just don't mess it up. 